Hey everyone, welcome back to Raising Unicorns by Harmon Brothers. And in today's episode, you'll learn how to save money by remarketing, even in this cold, cruel, and cookie-less world. Unicorns are real. In the past eight years, Harmon Brothers has helped raise five unicorns. Yes, that's five companies with a billion-dollar valuation, with at least six more companies right on the cusp of becoming unicorns. Here on Raising Unicorns, we share the lessons we've learned to help you grow your business by tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. It's time to start raising a unicorn of your own. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. We're super excited that you've decided to join us for this exciting episode. Today, we're talking about remarketing success in a cookie-less world, which we are becoming more cookie-less and more cookie-less as the days go by. Tom, why don't you kick us off with quickly about remarketing. What is it? Why is it important? Britt mentioned in the intro, you know, a cookie-less world and how remarketing falls into that. I mean, it's cookie-less world in that because of privacy updates, it's getting harder and harder to retarget people. And that's all part of remarketing. As we know, we have the whole funnel. We got the top of funnel, that's your cold audience. People have never heard of you. Imagine driving on the highway, the interstate, and you see a billboard. You drive by. Then you got your middle funnel. Those are people who are now in that same town and they drive by and they see your store. And now we're down to the bottom of funnel. These are people who have driven past the billboard, driven past your store, seen an insert in the local newspaper or whatever it might be. And now they're actually in your store. And remarketing is so important to this whole mix because the saying usually went that it would take seven touch points before someone would be willing to purchase whatever it is that you're selling. But now I've heard in some cases that from 14 to as high as 21 touch points before someone is willing to buy. And a lot of that is because people are significantly more savvy. They're more willing to dig in and go to Amazon and go to these other channels to research before they finally buy. They're going to go to Facebook. They're going to go to Instagram. They're going to crowdsource thoughts and ideas from their friends, coworkers, wherever. So by the time they get to that bottom of funnel, that's where the remarketing is really crucial. Like I said, they're in the store. They are ready to buy. Your cost to acquire them, it should be quite a bit less. I say quite a bit, I'm not gonna say, you know, it should be 20% or 30% because each brand, each industry, it's gonna be different. I've seen some where the cost from the top and bottom of funnel only had a differentiation of 10 to $20. I've seen some where there was a difference of as much as 60 to 70%. Each one's gonna be a little bit different. Remarketing, it's something that in today's economy, especially with e-commerce, you have to have in place. The execution of that can vary. It is something that you have to have in your business to kind of survive, to make it without, <laughs> without your ginger snaps or your chewy Chips Ahoy cookies. <laughs> I agree with everything you said. And we've talked before on this podcast about email capture. When you can't track your funnel super well on social media platforms and stuff, because that's where we mainly focus as ad buyers, I would say email capture is probably the most important one. Because if you're sending cold traffic to a landing page or whatever, you can't understand how well you're going to be able to remarket to them. And it's a higher cost to remarket to them because every touch point through the platform is costing you. But if you are getting their email when they are going to your site for the first time, and then you're remarketing to them through email, then it's minuscule cost, pennies. 
as opposed to dollars every single time. And over and over and over, right? You can put offers in front of them over and over. You can warm them up through nurture sequences. If you have sales, if you have industry news, there's just so many more options to reach them wherever they are. You were talking about cold traffic, right? At any given time with cold traffic, only 3 to 4% of those people are like actually in market for your product. That's why the landing page conversion rate, one and a half, two percent, depending on your industry, is good, you know, because you're taking a hundred percent of the traffic that you're driving and only three to four percent are even in market. So the conversion rate on the in market people, that's like 50%. I was talking about email and the ability to remarket to them if you're getting those emails on their first touch. I think a great goal for that is a 40% conversion rate on the opt-in. So what you're looking for really is what are the people that are coming in through your ad? What is it that they really want? And how can you use that desire to get them to opt into something? Is it templates? Is it checklists? Is it a percentage off coupon? It's not going to be news about your brand. <laughs> like I, as much as we love your brand and we think it's amazing, people are not going to opt in at a 40% rate to make sure that they stay in the know about your brand. So your whole newsletter angle, get rid of it. Figure out what your market wants and give them some kind of free version of it. No matter what, you're going to have people who are there just for the free lunch. And that that's just... A given. Like you're saying, A-B test. It might be a 5% off offer that gets people to join and to opt in. It might be a 10%. It might be something that we used quite heavily when I was at Camp Chef. We would give people free e-cookbooks. We would do like seasonal ones. We would do recipes around those kinds of things. And we would get crazy opt-in rates because it was relevant and we would change it often. So we were getting people to join our email list and then we had it dialed in and figured out what each of those people, we attached kind of essentially a dollar value to what they were worth. We were able to determine that if we got this many people, then over the span of the next year or 12 months or you know calendar year, that we should be able to see X revenue generated through that email capture. It is so important to have email capture there. And like you said, working on having different ways to have people opt in or different offers to have them opt in for. And it does kind of harken back to what I talked about before with only 3 to 4% of your market is ready to buy. But email allows you to move through education and low-cost education because you're not paying to reach them every time. Move them towards being ready to buy. What is it that they need to know? What are their inhibitions? What are their objections? Do they need to understand you're thinking about this all wrong? You know, you can shortcut it by doing it our way or whatever it is. And you use nurture and you use sales and you move them closer to that 3 to 4%. And then you're the one that gets the sale. And not only is your AOV great, but your lifetime value is great too. Because when they buy from you and they have a really good experience, they'll come back to you. So totally agreed with figuring out what your market is looking for. And seasonally, I think that's super, super smart. I do think it's worth having a little side dialogue about getting people on your email list with something free versus getting people on your email list with a tripwire with like a low cost, either info product or whatever it is. And I'd like to get your take on it first and then I'll go into mine. I usually have gone the route of giving people something free. 
I guess in that regard, I'm more of let's get as many people in the door as possible just because I've kind of run the numbers and have determined that if what I'm giving away costs this much and I'm getting this many people in the door and the email is worth X amount of dollars and let's say I get a thousand emails for whatever offer, whether it's a giveaway or a free recipe book, whatever it is, I should be able to come up with an estimated cost or value of what those emails are. I've usually gone that route and have had some pretty heated discussions with people over the years about kind of the freebie kind of offer. But I will say that if you have a good enough offer that you can get someone to buy something for, let's say it's a buck, instead of a free e-cookbook, it's get our top recipes from Christmas 2021 for $0.99 or for $2.99. The big thing with stuff like that is people are, one, raising their hand, saying they're interested in you. Two, you're getting them to make the biggest hurdle of them giving you their money. Once they've given you their money once, the likelihood of them giving you their money again and again and again becomes significantly higher because they found value in what you provided the first time. So they're going to have a much higher chance of doing that. The things that I've done, I haven't had phenomenal success with that as of yet. But again, that comes down more to the offer side of things, which is why I always kind of default towards the freebie side. I'm in a similar camp. I think that you are a bigger brand then you can probably afford the bigger list full of people who opted in for something free and really focus on educating them through just kind of gathering information to making a decision to actually buying. If you're a smaller brand, like if you're a solopreneur or if you're basically (laughs) wearing all the hats in your business, you might want to focus on offering a low-cost item to get people on your email list so you know that you have a list of buyers so that you can keep your list smaller so you're not paying huge fees to your ESP, your email service provider. Other than that, I think you're spot on. Can you tell us about Facebook events for retargeting? With email, email is wonderful, but email is also only one component of what should be your full kind of remarketing toolbox. Because remarketing, I mean, you're going to have people come in. I mean, imagine your store has multiple entries. You're going way back here to the days of a mall. And I feel like some malls, like the local JCPenney here when I was a kid, it had like three or four different entrances. Email is a piece of it. You know, you could have other components of that kind of bottom of funnel. Once they're in the store, what are you doing to get them to buy? With Facebook, on targeting events, you're getting people into the store, but you need to keep reminding them about the products or services that you have, the offer that you have. With Facebook, it's nice because the cookie-less part doesn't impact what occurs on Facebook and on Instagram. Those events kind of occur in their own little world. So you don't have those same privacy impacts that come from iOS 14.5 or things that Google might be doing or Safari or Firefox or Brave or DuckDuckGo. So if you have a video, I just did this for a client just recently. I took one of their videos and I ran it as a post engagement campaign instead of a video view campaign because lately I found that post engagement and these things change. Lately, post engagement, I get more views 
for significantly less money, but also if Facebook can find people who are willing to react, engage, share, comment, those people kind of fit into that target audience as well. So I'm able to hopefully generate some engagement with it in addition to video views, and I'm able to do it for a significantly lower cost, but it's great because now I can do that at top of funnel, create an audience, and then retarget those people at mid or bottom of funnel with additional content. I have another client that we're doing lead forms with. Those are great because I can build an audience of people who have opened the lead form but not clicked submit. So I can retarget them to try and get them to take another offer if they didn't take that first offer. So imagine this is all different aspects of your business. And now you're trying to get people to get to that bottom of funnel with Facebook events and retargeting on app on Instagram. There's a lot of options that you can have that, of course, privacy updates, like I said, don't impact. So you can increase your audience size for a very low cost. The client I was just saying about post engagement, a typical video view cost with Harmon Brothers type content. I usually see cost between, on average, it's like a, a penny per three second view. If I can, I'll try to get it below that. But with a post engagement, like I'm running with this client, we're paying 0.007 cents per post engagement. So that includes not only my video views, any kind of reaction, comment, like, share, post, save. I could be spending the same amount of money as I would on a video view campaign, but I'm getting more views, but also generating much feather engagement. So it's being thrifty with those on-app events, but then making sure that you're building those retargeting audiences, because if you do that, it's going to pay dividends in the short and long term. I do love the engagement campaigns. I think that they really help, especially if you're using post IDs or duplicating post engagement ads over to conversion campaigns. You are making that conversion campaign budget stretch so much further because the more engagement an ad gets, the more reach it gets. So your CPAs can drop because you're putting them in a bucket to get more engagement. Really, really good stuff there, Tom. I just want to take a minute and talk about KPIs for each level of the funnel because we've talked about retargeting. And when you're looking at all this data, it can get really jumbled and you're like, what matters? What doesn't matter? Where should I be looking? The hard part is I can't be like, look at this KPI for top of the funnel. Look at this KPI for middle of the funnel because every business is going to be different, right? But deciding on KPIs for each level of the funnel for your business is going to be paramount. Having benchmarks, then you can beat right through testing. So if you were focusing on engagement at the top of the funnel, I mean, what does that look like? If it's, if it's 0.002 cents per engagement, you're probably doing really, really well there. But then you look at clicks and it's like cost per click is five or six dollars. Well, okay, you're capturing attention, you're getting engagement, but then people don't actually want to click. And why is that? Why are you getting charged so much for a click? Why isn't your click-through rate higher? So that's a place to focus. But let's say your engagement cost is really great, your click-through rate is really great, but then your opt-in rate is really low. Well, why? If you're sending the kind of traffic that wants your product, why is your opt-in rate so low? Is it your offer? Is it the way your landing page looks? Is it that your ad and your landing page 
don't align in what they're talking about or what they're offering or whatever. You know, so looking at the KPIs for each level and kind of having a benchmark and then trying to beat that through testing is the best way that you're going to be able to lower your costs increase your audience size and eventually, you know, not eventually like years from now, but down the funnel, things are going to get more optimized and you'll be able to get lower conversion costs. So I do think remarketing is really, really important. It should be a major part of your marketing process. Do you have any last remarks? Not really. Other than just as you're saying that remarketing needs to be as much of part of your business as the part of your business of just getting people to be aware of who you are. Making sure the email, that you have a sequence built out, that you're continuing to engage with people. Even on Facebook, when I build out my funnels, the way that I structure my ad accounts, when I work in client ad accounts, I build, I structure it just like I would a funnel. I have a top, mid, bottom of funnel, and everything I'm doing is working towards different parts of the funnel, getting people to engage with it in different ways, sometimes with different content, if I have that, and trying to get it so that when they are ready for the point of purchase, that ideally it happens at the lowest cost possible, or it happens at a high enough AOV, average order value, that we're positive on return on ad spend. It's a piece of the business that even if you're a brick and mortar store, you need to have a way that you're capturing people's information and you're enticing them to come back into the store because that's how you're going to stay afloat in whatever economy we were in. If e-commerce are doing it, there's got to be a way that you can do it and come up with it for brick and mortar. So it's important. All right, y'all stay afloat out there and we will see you next time. Tired of playing catch up on your marketing approach? Plan your whole year of ad content with our video strategy in a day. The Harmon Brothers are known for their ad work with Lumi, Purple, and Skullshaver. And now we're offering a 20 minute video that helps you strategize your best profit pushing ad research, messaging, and testing for free. Because a win for great businesses is a win for all of us. Go to harmonbrothers.com forward slash video strategy to save future you a lot of stress with no pitch and nothing to buy.